0: Foundations. In ancient times, a treaties would be made between a king and his enemy. And it was a covenantal agreement where the enemy would pledge to love the king that he was making an agreement with. Okay, so we kind of have to change our definition of love. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. Welcome back to Foundations, where we've been exploring over the last few programs the main elements of Shema, and that is that we are to obey God, that God is one or God alone, that we're to love Him. Today we're continuing on with that theme of loving God as He commanded in Shema. We are, and it's um, it's a much more dimensional. Every actually, every element is very dimensional, multi-dimensional when you start digging into it. It's not merely an emotion. It's not just a superficial emotional feeling mm. that, we, that you get. It uh, has the power to actually keep a person alive, as we saw mm. uh, from the story of Viktor Frankl who was um, a prisoner of war in for three years in Auschwitz, not knowing that his wife had been murdered in the adjacent uh, camp, but the memory of her sparked this overwhelming love that he felt for her and that got him through mm. those uh, horrendous three years of his life, that awful, awful place. That's the power of love. So where we finished off was in learning that the love commanded by God in Shema is a command to action rather than simply an emotion. Remember we were saying that generally from our own philosophical viewpoint, we get the emotion, we have this feeling, and that then propels us to take action, to do something. Whereas what God is actually saying is, love me, obey me, then once you obey me and the consequences of your actions are seen, then the emotion will follow. Mm. And it's based on something real, not just an emotion in and of itself. On the previous program, what we didn't mention, but was in the notes, there's the word ve'ahavta, and it literally means you shall love. So that was the actual command, you shall love. Now, in ancient times... Uh, Treaties would be made between a king and his enemy. And if they were signed, it was a covenantal agreement between these ancient peoples where the enemy would pledge to love the king that he was making an agreement with. Now, it was a pledge to loyalty, not necessarily for him to hold warm, fuzzy feelings toward that <laughs> yeah, monarch. That's right. Okay, but the word that was used was love. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we kind of have to change our definition of love a little bit yeah, um, to get our head around it. Because if it's just an emotion, we tend to think, how can you command somebody to have that emotion? Yeah. Well, you, you can't command somebody to have that emotion. But the feelings come afterwards, mm. after the obedience. Okay, so when the Israelites responded to the Ten Commandments given by Moses. They didn't respond with all these mushy feelings. They simply promised to obey them. And so loving God, again, it it, it doesn't necessarily command warm affection, the feelings uh, from those who worship him. That's not what God is commanding. It's this command of loyalty, of faithful acts, of devotion, of obedience, Uh, Remember, there's the other scripture. I don't have it here in the notes. It says, "To obey is better than sacrifice." Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you're just giving the sacrifice, you end up resenting it. If you are obeying because this is what you this is the show of your loyalty and your devotion and your faithfulness to God, you are obedient. It's not just this um, sacrifice. Mm. Then the the love emotion or those feelings follow on. Now, remember King David? Um, it's good to sort of look at some real-life examples. Mm. King David was, for the most part, he was a very um, faithful uh, man toward God. He, the Bible says he had um, a heart after God, um, apart from some really glaringly <laughs> appalling sins and misdemeanors that he committed. But he remember, he was living in exile. He was... Um, Um, being chased by his father-in-law. He'd had attempts made on his life. He was living in the backside of the desert with a bunch hundreds of reprobates Mm. that didn't fit into society. Um, He was constantly on the run. Uh, At one stage, he went and lived with the Philistines, and there was another time he pretended like he was an insane guy dribbling in his beard, and he could have possibly. I mean, this was as a young boy, defeated Goliath, was a champion of Israel, whom God had said was going to be king and here he is acting like a madman yeah. and living in the desert and he could have he could have said you know God where are you you're a liar you've let me down he could have gone off the rails but he remained faithful he did eventually become king and then he had that spontaneous eruption where he literally threw off his clothes to just wearing an ephod underneath him Mm. and he starts dancing like like a silly girl in the street out of sheer love and devotion. This emotion that he felt was so overwhelming, this love that he had for God. Why? Because for years he'd been obedient, for years he'd been faithful. He'd experienced trauma and horror and attempts on his life. Could you imagine sitting there? Um, singing to the king and having a javelin thrown yeah. at you to pierce you to the wall. I mean, and all of a sudden was too much. After all this obedience, then then this emotion just flows out of him. It just erupts. And, of course, his unfor- his unfortunate wife, Michael, then <laughs> um, insults him and her consequences for her bitterness leaves her barren and mm. childless for the rest of her life. So these emotions that we in the West particularly long for can come but they come as a consequence of the obedience and the faithfulness yeah. and the devotion so the, the the action happens and then the emotion follows not the other way around precisely because if we wait for the emotion maybe that's why so many of us are sitting on our blessed mm. assurances yeah. we're waiting for an emotion to motivate us to go and do some action when really we should be being obedient to God and the emotion will or won't come as a consequence at some point in the future. Yeah. So, so you know, it, the, the, the truth is, though, Robbo, that in and of ourselves, we're not really capable of loving God the way we should. We don't have it in us. Mm. Um, but the capacity to love and to be obedient comes because his spirit indwells us so he's you know he deserves glory for everything because he's the one who saves us he's the one who gives us the capacity to believe he's the one who enables us to obey he's mm. the one who leads and directs us yep. he's the one who equips us to do the job and mm. then he's the one who inspires the mo- the emotion yeah it comes so you know it's all glory to him absolutely in in truth yeah so you've given an example there of David from the Old Testament, how yeah. he's done that. What about uh, some New Testament examples of uh, how we can see that playing out as well? Well, I uh, guess as far as the, the love and devotion or any kind of an emotional response that you would see, I think the first one that comes to my mind is of the woman who was forgiven much and how once she'd been forgiven, she'd repented, Christ forgave her, she was overwrought, and what did she do? She she wept on his feet. She she cleaned his feet with her tears. She dried his feet with her hair. Mm. The overwhelming emotion that she must have felt, yeah, you know, when that was extended to her, I can't imagine her life was the same ever again. Mm. Um, and then, I mean, and, she, and of course, she already had to live with the um, with the stigma that she was a disgraced or mm. a fallen, unwanted woman. Um, That whole society looked at her that way. But she suffered all of their indignation to sit at his feet. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's an amazing, amazing love. So our Western mind, we kind of got to change our concept or our understanding of what love is. It's much broader than that much, much broader than that. We're actually going to look at love a little bit more in the coming days as well because we're supposed to love our neighbour as ourself and that goes on a little bit. There's so much when it comes to looking at love but this all brings greater understanding to the passages of Shema which is Deuteronomy 6, six. you know, the words that I am ordering you to today are to be on your heart. You know, when it says in your heart we think emotions but it's just talking about the whole inner life the whole of the inner life. It's not just this little emotion. Um, and so when you read, anytime you read a verse in the Old Testament particularly that says heart, you could replace that with the whole inner life. Mm. So even a, a passage like um, uh, the words that I am ordering you today are to be on your heart. The words I'm ordering you today are to be in your whole inner life. It kind of changes things because it's it's incorporate, incorporating your your emotions, your mind, your thoughts, your actions, your motivations. It's, it's all encompassing hmm. of that. Love is not simply just an emotion. Well, in the next program on Foundations, we're going to be looking at the next element of Shema, which is to love God with our soul.